millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, Voice for the Persecuted. Peter, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Hi, everybody, and thanks for the invitation. We're going to talk about your book, Peter, and, and the book opens with a dream about a prison cell and a door. It, it's still one of the most amazing things about your story. Talk about that dream. Talk about that prison cell door and how God used that to show you that, that he had been preparing you uh, even for a situation you really never wanted to find yourself in. Yeah, in fact, uh, this uh, is one of the most important lessons that I have learned uh, through this whole experience, which uh, clearly shows the sovereignty of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you start thinking and, uh, you know, um, imagine that the Lord was preparing me ahead of time for this uh, difficult experience. Uh, nothing can prove the sovereignty of our Lord in a better way. And of course, you know, for me uh, in that moment, it was a tremendous uh, encouragement. And, uh, you know, I got new strength because I had uh, at that time in the moment when I looked back at the door that just got uh, locked behind me, uh, you know, at 1.30 a.m., uh, my first prison experience, uh, you know, I had uh, nearly 24 hours interrogation behind me. And of course, after interrogation, any interrogation, uh, it is very difficult and it is not pleasant. And I was really down. I was tired uh, after not sleeping maybe uh, more than uh, 38 hours. And then uh, Suddenly, you know, I see something familiar uh, that I have seen already in the dream. And that was tremendous encouragement and assurance that the Lord was with me there in that cell and that he had planned that. And he told me that in advance through the dream. I mean, that that was a tremendous encouragement for me uh, to me, uh, you know, in that moment. Of course, later on, you know, a difficult time came when, uh, you know, days passed by, you know, weeks passed by or months passed by. But in the initial moment when I appeared to be in the prison cell, uh, I could not receive a better encouragement from our Lord. One of the things you said in that is how God had been preparing you. And, and you unpack this a little bit in your new book, Imprisoned with Isis is the name of the book. You unpack in the book, though, that your preparation didn't just start with a dream uh, two years or so before your arrest. You had been preparing. I think God had been preparing you your whole life in the family you grew up in, a, a church family in a communist nation. Then right. your job at Voice of the Martyrs, going and visiting persecuted Christians. Talk a little bit about that preparation process. And I'm especially curious if during the time in prison, there were particular stories or particular people that you remembered and said, oh, wow, meeting that person or hearing that person's story made me more ready to go through this ordeal. 
Absolutely. You know, I uh, certainly uh, was prepared uh, by the Lord through the time of uh, the communist persecution in my country, but that's a long story that I have to make short. Uh, uh, but uh, certainly, you know, that helped me a lot, especially during the interrogation. But when I was in the prison cell and when months uh, were just accumulating and I was uh, there, uh, I remember when uh, Christmas time came uh, about already the 20 days, something like that after I was arrested and I was feeling uh, sorry for myself even though I did not complain you know I did not uh, uh, ask God why that happened to me uh, because I heard from many persecuted Christians that they considered uh, persecution as a privilege so uh, you know I was there in this situation but uh, you know the Christmas time is a little bit different and I felt like alone and sorry for myself and then uh, you know for a moment, the Lord has put before my spiritual eyes the picture of uh, a young 13-year-old boy from Nigeria. His name is Danjuma. And, you know, I saw the picture that I took personally and that appeared on the cover page of VOM newsletter shortly after that. And uh, suddenly I saw the picture of the boy that lost both of his eyes, you know, one was damaged, the eye nerve, the other one was even gauged out from his head. And suddenly when I saw this picture on, on the wall of the prison cell, you know, I felt ashamed for my unspoken complaints, you know. So what about this boy? You know, I knew that or hoped sooner or later I will be released and I will go home to my family. But, you know, this uh, this boy, you know, what will he do uh, till the rest of his life unless the Lord would make a miracle and heal the eye nerve, you know, for the eye that still is, uh, uh, that still he has. And I started to fervently pray uh, for this young boy every day. You know, he was every day, uh, many times in my prayers. You know, and as months continued to accumulate, you know, in my prison cell, and I was in prison, in the different second prison already, about something like seven months. And I started to feel again, you know, like uh, uh, and, uh, alone. And I started to openly ask the question, you know, Lord, how long time I will be I will have to be here? Then again, the Lord put uh, another three pictures before my spiritual eyes, and I saw Hyland Eisge, Dr. Kiflu, and Kidane Waldo, three Eritrean leaders that at that time, you know, they were arrested, uh, uh, two of them in 2005, and one of them, uh, or maybe 2004 even, and uh, one of them in 2005. And uh, suddenly, you know, I started to compare what are my seven months compared to their, you know, at that time, it was like 12 years in prison for two of them. And that again, uh, the Lord reminded me through this uh, picture that he put before my spiritual eyes, you know, that I should pray for them. And, you know, at that time, I started to systematically pray not only for these Eritrean brothers, but also for other Christians, Chinese Christians, Pakistani Christians, or Nigerian Christians. And, you know, that was the way how the Lord just distracted me from focusing on my problems, on my difficulties, or on my discomfort. It seems like there's a lesson there in times of hardship there is a way that we can pray for someone else and 
and like you say, sort of take the focus off, hey, look what's going on around me. Look what's going wrong in my life. Let me pray for someone else. And like you say, it changes our whole focus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Peter, you've been telling your story now at Voice of the Martyrs advanced conferences, in media interviews. You have spoken literally around the world. Now the new book, Imprisoned with ISIS, comes out. How do people respond or, or what are the questions that people ask you after hearing you speak or after hearing the story? What, what comes out of people when they hear this story? Uh, you know, of course, I feel uh, uh, mostly people are encouraged through, uh, you know, uh, the great things that the Lord has done in my life. You know, now when I have my book, I can even more concentrate uh, not just um, on telling my story, which uh, people can now read in my new book, but uh, I'm focusing more on the uh, main lessons that I have learned uh, through this uh, difficult uh, time in the Sudanese prison. And that's what I really enjoy. And I feel like it is uh, more effective, you know, when I rather focus on uh, the spiritual lessons that uh, the Lord has taught me uh, through this time in prison. And, uh, you know, especially now at this time, you know, when all of us uh, around the world are experiencing some discomfort, you know, problems, we uh, we cannot, uh, you know, go to our offices, we have to work from home, we cannot do our leisure activities. Of course, you know, that's what I can do now online. You know, I can still continue to access uh, or approach people uh, through this way. And I have also new experience now that when people are reading my book, because, you know, we have published this book already in a uh, uh, Dutch language in the Netherlands, uh, in Belgium, uh, the book has been published in Portuguese in uh, Brazil, or we have this book in uh, Czech language. Uh, and uh, I have seen uh, uh, and heard from also many believers how encouraged they were through this book. And also, interestingly for me, I have also heard from the unbelievers who know me and who uh, were concerned about me, uh, how that book is affecting their lives. And my prayer is that uh, their lives will be also transformed through the power of uh, the Lord Jesus uh, when they will read uh, the story of our great God. We're talking this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Peter Yasek. He is VOM's global ambassador. Uh, before that, he was the regional director for Africa, and it was in his service in that role that he was arrested in Sudan and spent 444 days in prison. His story is told in a new book, Imprisoned with ISIS. Peter, one of the amazing things about your time in prison was the chapel ministry that you had, where you got to literally speak to prisoners in a Christian chapel, uh, I think some of our listeners would say, wait a minute, you're in jail in Sudan, a Muslim country, and yet they let you have a chapel in the prison? Explain that, because it's kind of mind-boggling. Yeah, of course, because, you know, uh, Sudan is a, a predominantly a Muslim country and there are many mosques uh, around the country. Of course, there are also Christian churches uh, officially allowed, even though they're surveilled. And uh, the same situation in one sense is also in prison. And so maybe we had like uh, seven and a half, eight thousand people there. And there were many mosques in this prison. In fact, every section, so about four uh, cells, which means like four hundred prisoners 
must have their own mosque. So you could hear the call of the muezzin, you know, uh, from all sides five times per day. And according to the constitution of Sudan, of course, you know, they had to do something also for the non-Muslim prisoners, for the Christians, of course, predominantly prisoners from southern Sudan from the time when the country was still one. And for them, they uh, changed one of these cells uh, uh, that normally would have 100 prisoners uh, inside and just remove the triple beds and uh, just put plastic chairs and an altar and uh, change it to the chapel. That was uh, an amazing uh, surprise for me when uh, brothers on the first day came and invited me to this chapel. And I remember that at that moment, I realized again the sovereignty of the Lord and the preparation that he allowed me, you know, after five months of not having the scripture in my hands, eventually I got in the second prison the Bible and I had it for three months in a solitary confinement. You know, that was the most beautiful time in my life when I could just read the Bible and do nothing else apart from that. And I was often wondering, why do I have this privilege, Lord, to just to have this privilege to read the Bible and not to do anything else? And that all was the preparation for the six months to come when suddenly, you know, uh, like in the book of Acts, the brother said, brothers, if you have any words of encouragement, please tell us. And that in that moment, I realized that the Lord gave me in advance many sermons. He kept giving me new sermons while I was in Ahuda prison and I was studying and reading the Bible. And it was an amazing time. I can tell you that until that moment, I was still struggling every morning. I woke up, you know, you have your blood sugar is low, you wait maybe sometimes several hours before the first meal comes. And uh, so the morning time, especially going for the attendance when we were counted and uh, sitting, uh, you know, on the floor or sitting uh, on the sand and inside the prison compound and, way, you know, shivering from cold, that was the time when nobody actually spoke out loud. Everybody was quiet. Another day in prison, uh, another answer, you know, reason to worry about the uncertain future. And of course, you know, I also many times had to, uh, before this, I had to declare that the Lord was my joy and my peace until it became reality. But since the moment I started to preach in this Al-Huda prison chapel, all mornings, uh, sadnesses, you know, and all these worries in the morning disappeared. And every morning after this first sermon in Ahuda Chippel became a joyful morning when I was able not only to pray for my family, but also to pray for my fellow prisoners, uh, you know, sitting on, on the ground, you know, around me and shivering and praying for them that the Lord also would speak to their hearts, even or invite, would uh, drag them to the, the, the chapel so that they could hear the gospel there. You know, it's interesting to me that you say the mornings were the hardest part. Uh, just a, a couple weeks back, we replayed a conversation we had with Pastor Andrew Brunson, who was in prison in Turkey for two years, and he talked about the same thing. He talked about every morning just waking up and feeling like he was starting from scratch, trying to rebuild his confidence to get through the day and to experience the Lord's presence again. Uh, so it's interesting to hear that that was your experience as well, that, that the mornings were so difficult. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. 
and uh, the Lord has turned these uh, morning mornings, <laughs> if I say it correctly in English, into the morning's joy. Well, yeah, and it, it brings new relevance, I think, to the verse of Scripture about his mercies are new every morning, uh, which is when you need them the most, is those those new mercies. We're talking today with Peter Yasik. He is the author of a brand new book, Imprisoned with Isis, Faith in the Face of Evil. Peter, I know your first cellmates were ISIS fighters, and the book talks about that. Do you know what has happened to any of them? Are they still in prison? Do you have any idea what happened uh, to those fighters who really made your life miserable during those first couple of weeks in prison? Yes, uh, we heard about uh, their release uh, already whilst we were still in uh, Al-Huda prison. So uh, me, uh, Pastor Hassan, Pastor Kuwa, or Brother Munim, we were considered far more dangerous than these uh, ISIS members because they they were released after five months. Uh, some of them <clears throat> were released when I was still in the first prison. Most of them were released when I was in the second prison. So in one sense, uh, we were really considered as more more dangerous in the eyes of the Sudanese authorities. I'm sure that uh, those who were from Europe are already at home. In fact, you know, when I was in UK, for instance, you know, I was wondering because my meetings were advertised and I was wondering what if this guy who was from London would show up in one of my uh, presentations or when I was in in Belgium you know what what if the guy who was from Belgium you know who shouted at me, at me you know knowing that I could hear that even though they uh, he, I mean, he could not uh, know uh, which cell I was in, but he was saying that when I will meet the Czech pig, I will slaughter it, right? So uh, I was wondering, you know, what would happen, you know, if uh, he would show up at at my presentation somewhere. Uh, so all of them were released. Uh, I have no other information. Uh, where are they now? Uh, what are they doing? Uh, of course, you know, with ISIS being defeated on, a, you know, as an open, uh, uh, military source in Syria and Iraq, you know, I'm probably they're still somehow being connected to each other. You know, that's what they were doing, even whilst we were still sharing the same cell. You know, we had no papers, but they were with their nails. They were marking the cell phone numbers in the soaps that they were preserving and not using for their normal hygiene, but preserving them when they will be released, so that they could have each other's cell phone numbers. So I, I guess that they're still in contact with each other and maybe got inspired whenever there is any attack on the Western country or when, whenever there is any attack on Israel, uh, they always would celebrate that wherever they are. I'm not sure what to say about the fact that the Sudanese government thought you as a aid worker uh, there to help persecuted Christians was more dangerous to Sudan than the ISIS fighters that they had in their jail. Uh, that's that's pretty shocking. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, even it corresponds with the fact that uh, our weekly uh, court hearings uh, finished. The next day, they were writing about us as about the very dangerous. 
criminals, uh, you know, that uh, they even wrote and uh, they sentenced me to life imprisonment for uh, supplying SPLA, the South Sudanese army, with ammunition, right? I, I was laughing at the time because the only ammunition that I was supplying for South Sudan was the Bibles and Christian literature, but they considered that we, they, we, were, we were supplying ammunition and they sentenced me for life imprisonment and my two Sudanese colleagues for two, 12 years in prison. We've been listening to the story of Peter Yasik, who spent 445 days imprisoned in Sudan. We're going to have to pause there and bring you the rest of the story next week here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Peter has a new book about his experiences in Sudan called Imprisoned with ISIS, Faith in the Face of Evil. You know, when Peter received a Bible after being without one for six months, he read it from beginning to end in just three weeks. How is that possible? He's going to tell us when he returns next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted.